You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Was the last Chronicles of Aguna before Christmas. Christmas is just a couple of days away and we are going to be taking a couple of days break. It's much needed, much deserved, even if I do say so myself. But before we take that break, we're going to be bringing you a very, very special episode. As always on our weekly show, I am joined by the brilliant Mike Stavru from Metro Sport. How are you, sir? Getting ready for the uh, the big day, big couple of days? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Uh, the only reason I came on today, by the way, guys, is because Harry promised me that he'd play us out on a Christmas Carol and his bazooki. So uh, <laughs> everyone look forward to that at the end of the show. But yeah, I'm good, mate. Looking forward to the festivities. Well, you're out of luck because it's in the house and I'm not trudging across the garden to go and get it oh. and bring it down here. So uh, no, not happening. Uh, Mike's going to sing you We Wish You a Merry Christmas, though, or whatever Christmas Carol he uh, prefers uh, come the end of the show. I promise you that. Uh, right. On this edition of the podcast, we're going to be uh, talking transfers. We're going to be discussing ins and outs. We're going to be trying to set on and agree on three players that Arsenal should try bring in and three players that Arsenal should probably be looking to move on. Now, we're looking at the January window and the summer window, right? Because we appreciate yeah. that. This is stuff that might not all be possible in January. So we're doing this with a view to the next couple of windows. So the one that's just around the corner and the one coming up in the summer. Get involved in the comments as well. Any players that you think Arsenal should be looking to bring in, drop their names in the chat box. Any players that you're desperate to see Arsenal move out, drop them in the chat box too. And we'll discuss as many of those players and as many of those ideas as we possibly can between now and the end of the show. Just a quick reminder, if you are watching us live on YouTube, hello, and make sure that you hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Uh, also, if you're listening via the audio platforms, then please do leave us a review. It really, really does help uh, push the podcast up the charts. And uh, to my surprise, Mike, we've uh, we've been making waves in podcast charts right across Europe, Russia, France, Denmark recently as well. Um, it's something I keep an eye on. I'm always interested to see where our listeners are joining us from. So, Mike Stavrou, you have gone international, my friend. It's the, it, it must be the the Orthodox Russians as well. They must be seeing that beard, Harry. Uh, Maybe. Both of ours actually and saying, you know what, this, this is a bit of us. So, you know, let's keep it going. <laughs> let's hope not um, to lose them today. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be uh, shaving my beard uh, down a little bit this afternoon. It is getting to that irritating stage. I'm sure you know what it feels like. Not good. If you don't know what it feels like, then I'm sorry. Um, but having a beard is not all it's cut out to be. No. Right. <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, lots and lots to discuss. I think let's start with the outs, Mike. Let's start with yeah. the players that we're going to move on to try and clear space. Uh, so, First of all, give us your first out. We'll discuss it and then I'll give you one and, and we'll do it that way. So okay. go ahead, mate. Who would you okay. like to see Arsenal move on ASAP? Yeah, so I think um, we should probably address the elephant in the room is that we both sort of agreed that we could sit here and say, you know, we want to get rid of Cedric. We want to get rid of Ser Kolasinac and, you know, players like Mohamed Elneny. But I think it's pretty obvious that those will move on uh, sooner rather than later. So I thought, why not discuss players that 
are actually interesting to us and that's what we've gone for so one I want to start with, and it's a player that I like, and it will be unfortunate to see him go, but is Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I just think that with the current situation, uh, the amount of game time he's getting at the moment, I think, if anything for him, he he needs to move on um, and and get that that regular starting action that he needs because he's he's coming up to, I think he's about 24 years old now. You know, he's not, it can't be classed as a youngster anymore, really. He's like in his mid-20s, so... This is the time when he needs to be playing regular football. Um, and I just honestly don't think he's going to get that at Arsenal. I, if, if you look at what happened in the summer, um, he was obviously upset and he wanted that that loan move to Everton. But uh, the club blocked that. He didn't get it. He went on social media to air his grievances. Um, and he started the season and, you know, he, he was getting a bit of game time. And then uh, I think his standout performance for me was the performance against Watford. Uh, in, in the win over Watford and I thought he really shone and I thought he you know this is a bit of a statement to say to Mikel Arteta you know play me uh, a bit more give me a bit more game time but since then it's just gone back to old habits really Arteta not really giving him a chance and I feel like I don't want to say that he's been mistreated but I feel like he's treated differently to other younger players in the squad because you look at like Eddie Nketiah he's been getting a few more opportunities recently uh, Gabriel Martinelli, obviously, like when younger players tend to do well, Arteta rewards them with starts, but it's not quite been the case with Maitland-Niles. I think the reason for that, obviously, is there's more senior players in his position further ahead of him on the pecking order. Um, but sometimes when you see players like El Elneny starting ahead of him, which has happened in the past, not particularly this season, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth. And for him, I just think, you know, time to move on. Uh, time to 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 get that game time because I think in an ideal world, what Arteta would do is keep him around as a utility man, play him at left back, play him at right back, uh, play him at wing back, where, wherever it is he he could fit in. But that's not in the player's interest. I don't think he's made it clear he wants to play in midfield. So yeah, the the partnership hasn't quite worked for me. And I think whether it's January or summer, it's probably a player that we should move on. Does it frustrate you then that having said all of that that we didn't let him go firstly when Wolves came in with an offer and then when there was another offer on the table in the summer. Do you look back at it and think, why, oh, why, Mikel Arteta and Arsenal, did mm. you not just let this guy go if you if you weren't going to give him the game time? Do you think that Arsenal knew they weren't going to give him the game time and, and so was silly to keep hold of him? Do you think that the writing's always been on the wall for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, I guess, is yeah. what I'm asking. It has, it has, mate, and it's it's sad, but of course it has because if you look at it, it's clear that Arteta has three midfielders ahead of it, firmly ahead of him, um, Xhaka, Party, and Lokonga all ahead of him in the pecking order, and they've obviously come to some agreement um, because he hasn't played there that he doesn't want to play at fullback anymore. That's not happened, so he is an out and out midfielder right now. That's his current role in the team, but he's fourth or fifth choice maybe. So. I don't understand why you would have looked at that and said, okay, um, we're, we're going to keep you. We're going to reject offers from you. We're not going to let you go out on loan to Everton. I don't really know why that's transpired. Maybe Arteta was hoping in the back of his mind that Maitland-Niles might put, put in a string of performances or displays or something in training that might say to him, okay, well, you're ready to take the step up and you know push for places, maybe compete with Lukonga because that's the guy probably he should be competing with for that sort of third spot but it's it's not happened for whatever reason um so 
I, I just feel like the the time's come for him really. Even though I do love him, like obviously he's got he's so many so many assets that are important to a, to a team like us. He's got the athleticism, he's got the the skill on the ball. He's not a bad defender. Uh, the areas he could improve, I think he could he could sort. Of, sometimes he's a little bit um, slapdash. I think he's sort of a bit too relaxed and in central midfield. That's not really a trait that you want, even though it is good sometimes. Um, but yeah, I just think he's not quite there. He's not quite ready to be starting week in, week out in midfield. And therefore, I think he should go. Yeah. So you mentioned all the, the things that he's good at. Do you think then, having said all that, that it's probably maybe a clash of personalities between him and Mikel Arteta? Because I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is someone who, rightly or wrongly, has been labelled as a bit of a, a troublemaker in the past. Not, yeah. Actually, wait, troublemaker is probably the wrong term. But someone who's not afraid to speak his mind and someone who, you know, is is quite open to talking about where he feels his value is, i.e. the thing about his position. You know, Maitland-Niles mm. has made no secret of that. Maitland-Niles went on Instagram and told the world that he just wanted to go somewhere where he'd be appreciated. So we've seen that with Arteta and other players in the past. Yeah. develop into a situation that eventually became untenable. Do you think that that's part of why Maitland-Niles doesn't get a look in? Is his personality the problem more than his talent? Um, previous to this season, I would have said yes, because there's been times when Arteta's spoken about it publicly. He's like, he needs to do more. He needs to show more in training in order to to, to get back into the team. Because there's been multiple things, multiple reports of you know him, him not being happy or you know Arteta not being happy with him and the fact that it's kept coming out tells me that there's there's something there. There's this sort of barrier between them. Uh, obviously, we don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, but I, I think you know a, a lot of people think like this. And ultimately, when that happens, that that does hinder your progress because I think if you compare it to someone like Gabriel Martinelli, what Arteta says about him, 100% in training, goes 100 miles an hour, work, work, work. You don't hear the same sort of things about. Maitland-Niles and obviously this is what Arteta likes from his younger players he likes that sort of attitude maybe Maitland-Niles has it maybe he doesn't but from the outside perspective it, it doesn't look like he's on that similar sort of wavelength as, as the other youngsters who who are playing week in week out so I think yeah you, you might be right in the sense that there's something between them that has not allowed him to flourish but I think if you look at it from another perspective, I think he's just got more senior players in, in his position. I think when you look at, at the sort of wing position where Saka and Smith Rowe and Martinelli have been playing, they've got Pepe ahead of them. They've got, you know, Willian who's gone. These senior players have not been performing, which has allowed, th allowed them to step up and get into that position. Whereas Maitland-Niles, I mean, I don't know how he's ever going to eclipse Thomas Partey, the £45 million signing. He's never going to get in ahead of Xhaka. So really the opportunity for him isn't quite that. A lot of people were saying in the comments, oh, like, um, you should sell an Elneny first. Or I think I'm acting on the the, th the thought that I think Elneny's going to go anyway. So whether he's ahead of Elneny or not doesn't really matter. We've not got Europa League this season. And I think that's been a huge factor as well in, in him not getting the, the game time he wants. Mm, good stuff. Uh, Tabra says, uh, definitely a character clash. It's not his outspoken nature, but his laid back approach. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, 
I've just popped the poll in uh, in the chat box for those of you watching us live on YouTube right now. Is it time to move on Ainsley Maitland-Niles? Get your votes in. And by the time we discuss the next player, we'll come back and check in on that uh, and see what the results are looking like. See if the listeners uh, agree or disagree. Uh, Mike, give me another one of the players that you'd, you'd think Arsenal should be looking to move on. Um, I think Bern Leno. I think this is probably an obvious one, but... It's an important one because we've been in this situation before, slightly different circumstances, but when you've got two good keepers um, and you need to pick one essentially because you've got two experienced keepers, I'm I'm obviously throwing it back to Leno and, and uh, Martinez, which was not long ago at all. And ultimately, you know, we said to Martinez, yeah, you've been good. You've come into the side, you, you've impressed and you've, you've earned your place. But ultimately, you're not going to be given number one and that's it. Um, it just doesn't work like that. Arteta doesn't want that. A lot of clubs don't operate like that, really, where they have two top, top keepers and two that are vying to be number one. Usually it's, you know, your main keeper and then your sort of backup who's happy to, you know, uh, play in the in the Cups and play in, in, the, in Europe or wherever it is. Um, and it's just not quite working. Uh, obviously, that, that situation happened. A lot of people thought that we should have kept Martinez. Um, but I think this season... He sort of dropped off a little bit. I know Villa have been a bit inconsistent. They had a manager change and all that, but I just think he's not been at the level that he was last season. And I think his performances dictated Arsenal fans saying, oh, well, we should have kept him, should have sold Leno. And ultimately, performances are going to be up and down. He's a keeper that's not really played high-level football for the last 10 years, whereas Leno has. And I think that's why they made a decision. And Ultimately, it was probably the right decision and it's worked out in our favour because now we've got to keep Aaron Ramsdale, who looks like he will be the number one going forward for a long, long time and deservedly so. No one was expecting it. Everyone was thinking Leno is going to be the, the number one for the foreseeable future and Ramsdale will challenge him, push him, you know, maybe be given a, a go here or there. But no one can tell me they expected him to to waltz in after the third Premier League game of the season and uh, become number one, start every single game in in the league since then so fair play to him but ultimately leaves Leno in a position now where he needs game time because he's you know he's not young he's experienced he's a Germany international uh he's performed at the highest level I think he won runner-up for play of the season for us a couple of years ago behind Aubameyang so you know he's he's obviously been performing for us well he's had mistakes of course I know you Harry think that more more mistakes than than you'd like definitely but he overall, I'd say he has been a pretty solid keeper for us. Um, but ultimately, come to that stage in a, in in a player's career when they need to be playing week in week out. Similar to Mate Mate Niles, obviously at different ages, but I just think at, at his stature, uh, he he needs to be playing, and that's why I move on. If we can get some money for him in January, that that'd be great. It might leave us in a bit of a pickle in terms of who we have as our backup because you're looking at um, who else is in the squad. We got. Offer a Conquo, who's obviously a youngster, a bit unproven. Um, so maybe it'd be looking at bringing in another like short-term signing, like a Matt Ryan or something like that, uh, to sort of see us through. Um, you know, just in case, fingers crossed, Ramsdale. Uh, you know, hopefully doesn't get injured, but just in case, worst-case scenario. Uh, but yeah, Leno is one that I would I'd move. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with the idea of moving Burn Leno on because I do feel like, as you said. He's fallen out of favour. It's clear that no matter what people think of him as a goalkeeper, and, and as you say, he's been a good goalkeeper at points for Arsenal. 
He just doesn't have the skill set required to play the way that we want to play. That's not to say that Bernardino can't go elsewhere and be a very good sign-in and a very solid goalkeeper. I just don't think with the reliance that we put on the goalkeeper as part of our distribution uh, line into the midfield, the fact that we need somebody who's comfortable with the ball at his feet, brave in his positioning because of the fact that we tend to play with a higher line than we have done maybe in the last couple of seasons under Mikel. I think it's clear that he's no longer fit for purpose and he's a good goalkeeper who could do a good job somewhere else. So I agree with the, the decision to probably try and move him on. My only issue is that you can only do this if you are, like you say, going to bring in somebody else to provide cover for Aaron Ramsdale. And if you can't, then tough. I don't care what it means for Bern Leno. You have to keep him until the end of the season because there is no way that I want to see you know, Carl Hine or Arthur Okonkwo be pushed into the Premier League spotlight and forced to keep goal for Arsenal. Because while they both might be promising young goalkeepers, I don't think they're there yet. And last season felt to me like we were undone in the Europa League, especially by costly injuries that we just couldn't handle. The left-back problem was massive um, in that Europa League tie with Villarreal. We took Granit Xhaka out of the midfield, which for me weakened the midfield as well um, to put him in at left-back, a position that he clearly couldn't play. And we ended up in a massive mess off the back of it. It ultimately was a huge factor in why our season came crumbling down. And, and so for me, you can't take these risks as a manager. As Mikel Arteta in his current position, where there are still, and let's, let's be honest about this, a large proportion of the fan base who are unconvinced by him, who don't know if he's the right man to take this club forward. I just don't think you can be taking risks like that. Is it harsh on the player who maybe wants to move on ASAP and get game time? Yeah, it probably is. But the needs of the team for me have to come first. So I'd be looking to move Bern Leno on. It's, it's a bit like some of the others we've mentioned. It's inevitable that he will but it's all about the timing and making sure that we get that right. Mm. Um, a player that I want to throw into the mix is a player who's been the subject of a number of headlines recently, and that is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. You know, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, stripped of the Arsenal captaincy. Obviously, there's an ongoing issue. He's not been involved in squads. He's not been involved in, in match days. And it looks as though the relationship between him and maybe Mikel Arteta, maybe the club, uh, is completely fractured now. I'd be looking to cash in on him ASAP, even if we're going to send him out on a loan um, until the end of the season, whereby we can save a load on his wages. I think that would be the right move because, you know, what are we going to do with this guy who clearly has crossed the line so much that he's mm. not even involved at this moment in time? What's your take on Aubameyang? Again, another one who would go into the final year of his contract next season. So an exit feels like it's, coming but this process with regards to moving him on might have to be accelerated what's your take yeah for me there's no doubt in my mind that he's he's got a he has to move on now because that relationship between him and and the club you know who knows what's really going on but it's clear you know the way Arteta's speaking about it and he's not giving us anything about it even just to, we, we discussed this the statement harry and it, it was just so like for a club statement, which is usually, you know, straight to the point, few lines, doesn't really give much away. They they literally said latest disciplinary breach, which means that's something that they weren't happy about. 
that's a that's a breach of discipline. He's gone against the rules, and to you know to say stuff like that, it sort of underlines where the club stand on him. Arteta obviously has has non negotiables that he's spoken about in the past, and and Aubameyang's broke them. So for me, the the relationship between the club and the player can't continue. Um, I feel like it's gone down divisively with the fans because there's a lot of fans that love Aubameyang, and you know, rightly so. He's done a lot, for, done a lot for this club. Sort of dragged us out of a of, of a period um, when you know we could have easily dropped further and further down the table with his goals. Um, you know, pretty much you can say he was a huge, huge hand in our in our run to to the FA Cup win um you know so he has done a lot for this club but ultimately you can't look at it sentimentally you have to look at it from a business point of view and you have to look at it from a personnel point of view and the the cold facts are that since he's been out of the team we've been winning and you know is there something to do with with the dressing room does he would him coming back in would that negatively impact the, the dressing room that's something you'd have to look at because ultimately if you bring him back in, what are you saying? Are you saying that this sort of stuff is okay? Yes, we've stripped you of the of the captaincy, and it's been embarrassing for you. But if you come back in, what what does that say to the rest of the team? I think there's a reason why Messer Özil never really came back into the fold after all, all the stuff went down with him, because I think maybe it would have sent the wrong message. Obviously, that situation we don't know what happened, but this situation we do. So we can say disciplinary breach multiple times, got a history of it. If you bring it back in, I think that that sends, for me, the wrong sort of message to, to the rest of the players. So I think, yeah, that he's he's got to go. Obviously, you say the stumbling block is getting rid of him. Who will buy him? The team's linked to like Barcelona, Juventus. I mean, Barcelona are the only ones I could see. Um, and a few days ago, I was saying, oh, there's no way they can afford him, like the, the state they're in financially. But I think they've just bought Ferran Torres or they, they've agreed a deal for Ferran Torres with a bank loan. So... If they can do that, maybe they can stretch a bit and, and get and get a Bamiyang. Uh, but this is just one we'll have to wait and see. But as you say, another one that's that's just inevitable, really. Yeah, indeed. And um, you mentioned that Mesut Ozil never came back into the fray. Pierre-Emerick Bamiyang probably won't, based on what we're seeing at this moment in time. Granit Xhaka did, though. And that was under yeah. a different manager. So is this an Arteta thing? Is it that Arteta values the culture so highly that he won't allow people once they've crossed that line to then come mm -hmm. back into it? And is he in danger of cutting his nose off to spite his face here? Because, you know, one of my big concerns about the Aubameyang situation and why I've consistently said, although this is unacceptable and he needed to be punished the way he has, I wouldn't shut the door on him completely. What if Alex Lacazette got injured? You know, where would we be then? Because Enketia, mm. great in the Carabao Cup, scores some goals from, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but scores when the ball's put on a plate for him in certain areas of the pitch. But I couldn't rely on him to to lead that line for Arsenal, I don't think, anyway, at this point. So yeah. is there a risk that, like I was talking about the left-back situation last season, blowing up in our faces, the, the reluctance to do something cost us in the end. Is there a situation here whereby pushing Aubameyang out of the door in January or saying to him that you're not part of this and you're not um, going to be a part playing forward and you, you, you're you completely excluding him. Is there a situation or a scenario where we look back on that and go, shit, wrong decision? I just think with some things, Harry, you, you, you just can't 
you can't allow it to happen because of the because of what it, it says about you as a club and what and what it says about the the management i just think if you if you let him back in after all this i mean he's he's even if this scenario were to happen and he does some unreal groveling and you know really works hard and and gets back i mean you'd have to say fair play to him but i just don't think that should be allowed to happen i, I know what you're saying we're in a difficult spot but i think that can be addressed i th- think you know we can go out and sign do our best to sign a striker in january um you know maybe it means that Enketia doesn't go or, or Falarin Balogun doesn't go just so we have the the numbers I know obviously that they're not at that level of a Bamiang but I just think it's it's too risky from a from from a club standpoint to to bring him back in when you don't really know what sort of state he's in when we don't really know what the sort of reception towards him is going to be um and yeah I, I don't know it feels a bit wrong like if, if we brought him back in after all this hullabaloo like just in case Lacazette gets injured, it feels a bit a bit wrong to me. I don't know. So do you think that the punishment that he's already received, i.e. being stripped of the captaincy and having missed the games that he's missed so far, is not sufficient enough for what he's done? Or or do you think that, you know, I don't know. Do you think that what I mean, he's had to go through is enough now and we should just draw a line under it? Or do you think that maybe there's something ongoing that is why this is continuing? Yeah, I mean, look, I we we can speculate about what has happened, but it feels like it's not just the, the being late, doesn't it? It does feel like there's been something going on, something brewing. Um, you know, because there's been so many things like when he when he missed the North London derby, um, you know, he's he's missed training in the past. Like there's been there's been so many things that have come out about him that just makes me think this is the stuff we're hearing about. So what's actually going on behind the scenes? I just think for me, it it makes sense for this sort of relationship between us and Aubameyang to come to an end because we need, and we've spoken about this, we need the evolution from a striking point of view. And for me, there's no real better opportunity to, to I don't want to say get rid of him, but ultimately, yeah, like, you know, move him on because we need that evolution. I can't imagine he's going to be too happy either about it. Like it's embarrassing for for a player of of his quality to be stripped of the captaincy. I think the Xhaka situation is interesting. You bring it up because I look at it and think, yeah, absolutely right. It was the different management, but also it it was an isolated isolated incident. Uh, it was an emotional incident. Um, there's been a lot of stuff between between Xhaka and the fans, isn't there? A lot of stuff that has been building up. You know the the abuse. Uh, he's he's come out and talked about it. You know, it's been bad. It's been toxic. So I'm not excusing what he did, but there's a level of understanding that can go on there as to why he did that. But Abamyang, you know, not being professional multiple times when you were a captain of the club, that is unacceptable. Um, and that just can't be allowed to happen for me. <laughs> I've just seen this one from One Nation in the chat. I heard a rumour that Abamyang slapped Arteta in the face. Come on, man. <laughs> Where'd you Come get on. that from? The post. Where'd you get that from? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let us know where you got that from. I'd be interested to to see yeah. the source of that. I really would. We'll we'll run it as a chronicles exclusive if it can be backed up. Absolutely. Um, just going back to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the poll results are in. Seventy-one uh, percent of you feel it is time that we move Ainsley Maitland-Niles on. I've just dropped another poll in the live chat for our YouTube viewers uh, around Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So check that one out. Cast your votes. The question is, should Aubameyang's Arsenal exit be accelerated 
uh, as uh, and brought forward to January? Should the club be doing everything that they can to facilitate that? Let's see. Um, so get involved in that. Also, just a quick reminder before we continue, and we are going to move on to the players in in just a few minutes, I promise, because uh, I know that's what you're all here for. Uh, but we've only got 45 likes on the board and there's over 240 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms. So let's get that up uh, to at least 100. That should be light work. So smash the like button if you haven't done so already and make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you are new. Uh, let me just bring you a quick message from our sponsors, ProPrep. And ProPrep, of course, is the perfect study tool for uni students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths-related modules, and it can half your study time. They provide bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course that you are studying, which can be accessed from any device at any time. And it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear videos. And after the video, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive questions and exercises. You can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive a video answer back within 24 hours. Now, ProPrep have created a special offer just for listeners of the Chronicles of Iguna. If you head over to ProPrep.uk slash uh, info slash football, you'll find more information and you can sign up for that free 30 day, day trial now. You don't have to input any credit card information, which is great. So check it out. Share it with anybody uh, you think uh, it might be useful for. Um, Dave Carkey uh, has highlighted that... Um, that article, Pundit claims Arsenal star Aubameyang slapped Arteta in the face. Is that like figuratively speaking, though? Or what's the word? Mike, you're better with words than me. Would you? Oh, right. Um, like, as I, in, I, you know, I, I as think in I know what this is about. In the face. I think I know what this is about. I, I read about it. Is uh, Danny Mills was was doing it oh, in God, interviews and put it in the bin. Was... Forget it. It's Danny Mills, put it in the bin. <laughs> no, on. but he it's it's harsh on Danny Mills because yeah, exactly what you were saying. It's a figurative speech. You're saying he, it's a slap in the face. You're not saying he literally slapped him in the face. So um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 not going to sing Danny Mills's praises, but I think that was harsh to sort of tee him up like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I thought so. It's probably, you know, he might have said, oh, Bamiang's behaviour has been a slap in the face to Mikel Arteta or something like that. Yeah. And they've blown it up into... So that's that's business. turned into the room. I thought this guy had actual information. I didn't know he was going off that. <laughs> uh, well, he that? might not be. He himself hasn't replied. Oh, okay, chat, all right. So well, come, come on, mate. That's don't, the... don't, don't leave us hanging on. Absolutely. But that's the uh, that's the article that a couple of people have, have um, pointed to. Um, right. Let before we finish up on the outs, just a couple of other players uh, that we're going to touch on. Serkalasinac, we know that his departure is 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 coming. Right. There's no point in going down that rabbit hole too much. But Eddie and Ketia did what he produced the other night, Mike. For you, um, change your kind of stance. First of all, what is your stance on Ketia? Should we be mm -hmm. trying to keep him? And um, and did the other night make any difference to that? So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll make like a broad statement here and I'll, I'll answer your question, but I just think this game against Sunderland didn't teach me anything that I didn't already know. And there's there's been opinions flying about, you know, what's Arteta doing? Start this guy, start this guy. At the end of the day, like, we're playing against League One opposition. Um, these players have not had the Europa League to sort of prove themselves that this was their sort of one chance because you're in you know, the, the, the quarterfinals at, at that stage. This is your one chance to prove yourself. 
um, and they were given absolutely everything and, and, you know, fair play to them for, for, for turning up. But ultimately, it didn't change what I think. And I've always thought Nketiah is a poacher. Nketiah is a good finisher. But, you know, the stats that have been flying around about him have been crazy. Like, he's sort of averaged distance of goals scored, like, was it four or five yards out? Something mental like that. Like, like all like literally I, I saw you know um those those uh images where it shows like the the positions of the goals i swear there was only one like behind the penalty behind or or equal to, to the penalty spot and the fact that he's not even scoring behind the, the penalty spot line tells me he is a poacher out and out and ultimately the center forward position at arsenal requires a lot more than a poacher you need to be able to do a lot more you need to be able to hold up the ball you need to be able to be good at link-up play. You, you need to be sort of good in the air because we do, you know, mix up our, our playing out from the back and hit and hit it long sometimes. You need to be able to challenge for them. And these are all things that I don't think Eddie Nketiah is proficient in. I think he's a really, really good striker. This is not me doing him any disrespect, but I just don't think he suits us. I think you go to somewhere like Crystal Palace or like a lower-end Premier League club and he'd bang in the goals. I'm absolutely convinced of that because if you sort of build the the team around him in a sense and you feed in the ball in the box he will score goals but for us no so i have to answer your question and say no i think he should be moved on as well you know the, the guy's not signed a contract uh he's going to be free in the summer so if you can get some money for him in january do it would you be trying to get him to sign a contract in the event that we can't sell him in january so that we can sell him later on <sighs> It depends what happens. Depends what happens with Abamyang. Depends if we want to bring in another striker. If we bring in another striker, um, then yeah, absolutely. Just get whatever fee you can in January. Don't worry about losing him because ultimately you didn't pay anything for him. So you're not you're not losing out that much. Yes, we could have sold him last summer, but obviously that opportunity has come and gone now. So you can only look at what you can do at the moment. But for me, it's quite easy, that one. Amandeep says, uh, slap the like button, guys. Yes, nice one as well, Amandeep. I like what you've done slap there. It. Great stuff. Slap it. Slap the like button because we're still nowhere near 100. What's going on? We're still 30 off. Uh, just before we move on from the outs, going back to that poll that we put out a few minutes ago, nine minutes ago, to be specific, should Aubameyang's exit be forced through next month? 71% of you again say yes. What's going on with the 71%? We're very... Um, I just saw someone in, in the chat saying Harry's rigging the vote. <laughs> I can't. I wish I could. I can't. How do you rig a vote on YouTube? I don't know. I saw that as well, but I'm not going to rise to it. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. Let's uh, let's move on to some players that we'd like to see come in. Now, again, as I said right at the top of the show, we appreciate and understand that not all of these will be possible in January. Right. We know that the January window is notoriously more difficult. Um, it's a different type of window. It can sometimes pose lots of challenges. It, players leaving clubs means that uh, they need to be replaced as well, which is, again, not always easy mid-season. But we're going to touch on, on a few names here and we're going to have a little bit of a discussion around it. But I want you guys to get involved in the chat box with people that you would like to see Arsenal bring in over the course of the next couple of windows. And we'll pull up some of those and, and have a brief word on a few of them too uh, as we go through the list. But Mike, uh, kick us off with the mm. first player that you'd like to see Arsenal make a move for. So for me, we all said this in the summer, centre midfield is, is a position that we are still light. 
Um, we didn't improve centre mid in terms of first team starters in the summer. Um, we obviously have Party and Xhaka as, as our two main, you know, senior experienced midfielders, but we brought in Lokonga as one for the future. And for me, I have been more than I've spoken about this many times on, on this podcast, but I've been blown away by Lokonga because I think at his age, at the age of 21, he's shown so much maturity, so much confidence. He, you know, he, he exudes class um, and you can see he's going to be a top player, but for now, he's not, not quite ready. So for me, what you need to do is bring in a player that if they can't directly, you know, in improve upon what we got, it's a sort of similar level. Um, and, you know, in, keeping in mind of budget because for me if we're talking about budget wise I think the majority of the budget needs to go onto a striker and we'll come on to talk about that later but also important is uh is, is sentiment so I'm going to go for a player that I think would improve us might not start every game but would get a, a lot of games um I think that is Dennis Sicaria of Borussia Mönchengladbach he is obviously uh Granit Xhaka's um, midfield partner for Switzerland. Uh, he's 25. He's you know experienced. He's a, a combative midfielder. He you know he's a, he's a good ball winner, but he's also got a good range of passing. Um, if you're looking at systems, I think he excels in a pivot, so that's perfect for where we are right now. Um, he could play alongside Xhaka as, as he does for his country, or you know in a in a bigger game where we need to you know be particularly solid defensively you could stick him in midfield next to Thomas Party. that could allow Party to flourish and be the the box the box midfielder that we all want him to be or longer term because he's a bit younger as well at the age 25 he could partner Lukonga so I think for me it's a no-brainer the reason I think it's a deal we need to do is because his contract is up in the summer he's not signed a new deal um, there's been reports uh, that he's willing to to listen to offers from English clubs um, and whether that would be in a summer on, on a free or whether, you know, this is Gladbach's last chance to get a fee for him, whether we just put some money on the table, I don't know, 15, 20 million, whatever it may be, and just say, look, we, we've we got a shortage in midfield in January. We need him now. So let's just sort of get get him right now, Wh whatever it may be. I think he'd be a, he'd be a good signing. Yeah, it's an interesting shout and it's not one that, you know, is is a, is a left field one, really. I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, Dennis Zakaria, someone who, co who could come in and, and do a job. And as you say, he's got that experience of playing alongside Xhaka at, at international level. Now, I know people are going to come for us because they're going to say, well, we don't want Xhaka to stay in the midfield. But, um, you know, what, like it or lump it, he is part of Mikel Arteta's plans. He's just had his contract extended, for God's sake. Um, so that's a good shout. Uh, I'm going to throw in a player of a similar ilk, but a player that I think maybe is a little bit more of an all-rounder in terms of the skill set that he brings to the table. And I'm going to go with AC Milan's Frank Kessie. Now, he, like Zakaria, is in a situation where his contract is coming to an end at the end of the season, which means you can either get yourself into a kind of personal bidding war with, with terms and things like that uh, come the end of the season, or you could make a move in January and put Milan in a position where they're thinking, well, we probably should take this because we're not going to get jack shit come the summer. Um, I really like Frank Kessie. I think he brings a lot to the table. Um, as you said about Zakaria, he can be combative. He can be, um, you know, very effective in, in both ends of the pitch. But for me, Kessie gives you a little bit more in terms of goals. And I know he sometimes takes penalties. 
uh, for Milan, which probably skews the stats a little bit. But we're talking about a guy who's got 35 goals in 200 games for Milan. And that's a pretty good return for someone who's labelled as a central midfielder slash defensive midfielder. So he's somebody I'd be looking at. And again, like you, Mike, I'm not saying that we're, you know, we're shopping you know, in the bargain basement and we should only be going for players whose contracts are expiring. But I do think we're in a place where we need to be a little bit creative because we cannot go and spend 100 million on a striker, 100 million on a midfielder and 100 million on a defender. So much was made of what we outlaid in the summer and people seem to completely overlook the fact that actually the majority of that, well, that money was spent across bringing in six or seven different players. And so actually, when you break it down, I think I did this earlier on in the season. I think on average, we spent about 20 odd million pounds per player, 20, 22, 23 million a player. So that tells you that while Arsenal are looking at the long term and, and making moves that kind of suggest that we're, we're not in a place where we can completely gazump people, you know, with with finances, that the pandemic has kind of rid its ugly head again. Not that it ever completely went away, but we're in a place now where games are being postponed. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few days we hear that fans are going to be, um, you know, prevented from going to the games as well, which obviously impacts the clubs from a revenue standpoint. So I think we're right. We're along the right lines to be looking at players that represent good value, whose situations we can take advantage of. It's not to say we want Arsenal to go cheap. We want them to invest as well, but take advantage of these situations. And I'm going to put Frank Kessie in there. The striker position is one that clearly needs addressing, right? Because of the situation we find ourselves in. Laka and Ketia both coming toward the end of their contracts and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's ongoing issues make that a problem too. I'm going to throw a few names at you and, and get your takes on them. Let, let's start with yeah. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Premier League-based, somebody that a lot of people are calling for. Would you be looking to bring Dominic Calvert-Lewin in? I'm I'm not sure about Calvert Lewin. I I think he's a good player, um, and he's got potential to to get better and better. As he's been obviously you know blighted by injuries this season, which have halted his progress for me. But I'm not sure he suits us. I think he's more of a target man. I think he's more of a of a player if you want to play a bit of a counter attacking style. You know he can he can hold up the ball, but has he got enough pace? Has he got enough dribbling ability? We know that he's got he's got the knack for goal scoring because of his outstanding season last season. But can he keep it up? Is the is the sort of question we've not seen it on a consistent basis from him. You know, a lot of people were sort of writing him off a few years ago and saying, you know, Calvert Lewin. A lot of people hyped him up when he was younger, but he's not quite lived up to it. So I'm not sure. And I think one thing is you'd pay the English tax on him. Mm. Um, and I've seen reports saying that it could be a minimum of sixty million. And I think for that sort of money you want sort of proven proven class and if, if you can't quite get that then more proven don't you, you want more yeah proven. More, more proven more proven i think people might say you know that's a bit rich when you just sign ben white but i think ben white the reason we wanted him is because of what we'd seen already which is he's driving out from the back and he's passing um more so than he's defending i think actually um and he's displayed that on multiple times he just had to do it at that higher level but calvert lewin i'm just not i'm not 100 convinced and it's been tough for me because it's i've been trying to like wrap my brains and think about the profile of striker we need um and it, it all just depends on what Mikel Arteta's plans are for the for, for the future does he want to persist with the 4-2-3-1 um meaning you sort of could 
do with a striker like Calvert-Lewin because you've got that number 10 in behind? Or does he want to switch to the 4-3-3 where you get that centre-forward role where they drop a bit deeper um, and they you know, need to do a little bit more in terms of the build-up? And it all depends on, on what they want. I think Calvert-Lewin would be a good signing, but it's not someone that really blows me away for that sort of money. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same opinion on that. Uh, what about Alexander Isak? I know he's somebody that's on your list. So tell us a yeah. little bit about him and why he made it. Yeah, so f- first of all, in terms of uh, in terms of his age, I think he fits the the sort of um, signing we're going for. He's he's 22, um, but by the age of 22, you know, he's a he's a fully fledged Sweden international, and played for Sweden um, at Euro 2020. He looked quite impressive uh, this season. He's scored seven goals in 21 games across all comps for Real Sociedad. Um, I saw him score an absolute dream goal at, at the weekend. He, he just sort of um, had it on the left-hand side, uh, dropped the shoulder uh, with a few stepovers, came inside and, and and curled it. And it was just like, okay, all right, this this guy is serious. Like, this is a serious baller. And for me, the most desirable thing in a striker, if, if you can't get the service... And um, we know that obviously our creativity has been a bit of an issue. You need to be able to create chances for yourself. And it's such a hard skill to have. And I, I always say that the striker that I've wanted at Arsenal is one of them like South American hybrids, you know, like the Sergio Aguero's, the, the Luis Suarez, you know, where they have like a yard and they just make the most of it. They can spin you and then, and then smash it into the back. And then I think that's the striker we've been missing for a while. We've not really had anyone like that for, for a long time. And I think Isak, he's not quite there yet. I don't think he's, well, I, I look at him and I think he's a bit lanky and he, he needs to put in a bit, put in a bit more muscle if he wants to, you know, play, play centre forward um, at in the Premier League. But I think he's, he's capable of doing it. I, I like that he's got the dribbling ability. Um, he's got the ability to use both feet as well. His left foot is, is really good. Almost as, as good as his right, I would say. Um, and and he's got the speed and I, I just think he he fits. I think he's a good fit. Um, and for me, I just think with what I think Arteta will want is to move to a 4-3-3 and we will need that sort of more all-round player, which I think Isak will do. It's just how much would Royal Sociedad want and who else is going to come in for him is the sticking point, I think. Yeah, it, it's a bit like that. You know, I've seen some people mention Haaland in the chat. Obviously, we'd all love to sign Haaland and we all know that we can afford the the release clause. The question is, though, who else is going to be in the running? And there will undoubtedly be more sides in the running and sides that are are probably more capable of of promising him that he'll be competing at the highest level um, at this moment in time. And, And that's the reality of it. You know, we're not... It's not a completely open market here. Well, it is an open market in the sense of anyone can bid for anyone. But the point I'm trying to make is that Nothing is going to be unchallenged when you're talking yeah. about top players who are, are so sought after. A player that I want to throw in there is is Dusan Vlavic. And um, those of you who, who watch this or listen to this regularly will know that I'm a big Serie A enthusiast and I've seen a lot of him. Um, uh, for me, he gives you a lot of what you were talking about there. You know, the ability to make runs in behind, the physicality, um, the technical security, very dominant sort of from a physical perspective in in terms of when crosses come into the box. I think he's got the lot. But again, with Vlavic, although I'd love us to sign him, I am worried about what else we'd be up against. 
you know, and and there have been a lot of rumours and reports suggesting that his preference is to stay in Italy. Well, if that is the case and only the Italian clubs are going to be the ones kind of knocking on Fiorentina's door, then we should be trying and we should be trying to prize him away with greater financial incentives because we know that the Italian league, as great as it is and as entertaining as it is, is it in the same sort of league as the Premier League um, in that sense? So, yeah, he's he's somebody I'd, I'd definitely be looking at. Chuck us a few names in the chat as well, and we'll pick out a couple of those and discuss them to kind of wrap up the show. So my outs would be Aubameyang, Leno and Maitland-Niles. I, I think that's kind of the priority ones for me. And as Mike said, we're looking at players that by moving them on, we'd actually make a difference in terms of what we can then bring in, yeah. as opposed to the deadwood that is literally just a ticking time bomb waiting to explode and disappear into the sky. Um, ins, I'm going to go Frank Kessie, Dusan Vlavic, and I'm struggling on the third one. So I'll let you take yeah, over Mike, I'll, while I go on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in a name in there. Um, one that I we've been linked with recently is uh, Dejan Kulusevski of... Um, mm. Juventus, uh, another another Sweden international actually. Um, Twenty one, um, three goals in in Serie A this this season. I think he's been struggling for starts a little bit since Max Allegri came back, um, but I think that the talent is clear to see. What the thing I like about him the most is his versatility. He's played in a multitude of positions. Um, I was speaking to someone who, who watches Serie A a lot, and they said right wing is probably his best position, but. They told me he can play on the on the left. They told me he can play as a number eight. They told me he can pl- even play as a centre forward if if you need to. And for me, that's the sort of player that we need because when you look at our creative output, it's been in- incredibly inconsistent. If if one player is not really firing, the, the the whole thing doesn't really work. Like if we've not got Smith Rowe and on Song and Saka and, and Odegaard, it doesn't really work. So what we need, I think, is to follow that that Man City model a bit obviously not at the same level that that they they can you know spend on players but that thing where you've got a load of versatile players that can play anywhere across the 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 front three and they can all rotate in position so if if one's injured you you put another one there um you know look look at man city they played sterling sent um false nine they played foden false nine they played gabriel jesus right wing these are all versatile players that can fill any of the attacking positions what that does is just create complete chaos because like the opposition don't know who's going to play where and what they do. And you need obviously like technically proficient players to do that. And I, I feel like in our youngsters, we have that Saka, Smith Rowe, Odegaard. Definitely. We have that versatility that they've, they've played in different positions. And I feel like if we get Kulusevski or a player like that, it would be a similar sort of scenario obviously on a, on, on a different level to City, but we can start to build that up where we have that ability to even change systems if we want to. If Arteta wants to go to a 4 3 3 if we buy a player like that that fits the profile and he's got the right sort of attributes, then you know, you're know you opening avenues for yourself, basically. So I, I would go for him, I think. Interesting. Interesting. And and he is a player I like. He's, as you say, he is a player who's not having the greatest time at the minute, but is obviously someone with uh, incredible talent and uh, you know good prospects for the future. Uh, just before we we discuss some of you guys' shouts in the chat, uh, the poll has finished on uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Sixty seven percent of you said you would not like to see Arsenal move for Dominic Calvert Lewin. Just thirty two percent of you convinced that he's the man to take Arsenal forward, which is 
interesting now there are over 350 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms so please do hit the like button we've hit the 100 like target let's try and get to 125 between now and the end of the show so smash the like button if you haven't done so already check out our sponsors pro prep and make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you haven't done so already also let me know in the comments what you think of the youtube shorts we've been dropping a few youtube shorts they're really easy to do they're really easy to put together i've dropped a couple of clips on there um from my show on TalkSport 2 a couple of days ago um, and all sorts of other little different bits and pieces. We can do some instant reaction using that. Um, it's not time consuming at all, which means I can do more of it. So, uh, yeah, let me know if you're enjoying them because, um, yeah, they seem to be doing OK. Right. Uh, let's pick out some of the names from the chat. A name that has come up time and time again throughout this conversation, Mike, is that of Yuri Tielemans. Thoughts on Yuri Tielemans. First of all, is he attainable? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think on the current projection, I think we are on the up and Leicester have sort of hit their ceiling a bit. I think Leicester, you know, they, they, they missed out on the top four. They all feel aggrieved about that. Um, but, you know, them winning the FA Cup, I think that's about as far at the moment as, as Brendan Rodgers can take them. He's been constantly linked with, with the Man United job. Is that playing into their heads? You know, they've they've had a big dip in form recently. Obviously threw away a three one lead last night in the uh in, in the Carabao Cup quarter final to lose against Liverpool, which will be a massive, massive blow. So if Tielemans looks at it and says, All right, um, you know, which team are sort of up and coming or are going forward, are invested in the squad, and I think between it, if you look at it right now, it it might be Arsenal. It might not be. Feel free to disagree with me, but that, that's just what I think. So if you look at it like that, um, I can I'm, I think he could be attainable, and I think he's a he's a top top player. I think he's technically uh, proficient. I think physically he's 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 got it as well. He's got nice. He's got a good like stocky build as well. Doesn't get pushed on to, off the ball easily. You know he scores as well, which is what we need to add to uh, to our midfield play, Harry massively. Um, so yeah, I think I think he'll be a great signing if we could get him. Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, first of all, I know Leicester have, have been punching above their weight for a few seasons now, right? And that's been kind of you know well documented. They've done well. They're ninth in the Premier League at the moment. They do have a couple of games in hand over us, which you have to be fair in saying. But even if they were to win both of those, they'd still be behind us in the table. It does feel though, though that this Brendan Rodgers Leicester thing is, is it, the peak was last season, right? Winning the FA Cup. Yeah. Where else do you go with it? So I do mm. think that Arsenal, aside from being a five, six times, maybe more bigger club, um, you know, that there is that potential at Arsenal to go further right now and, and things are looking good. So, yeah, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't test their resolve for him. Um, and he's a player I'd, I'd really like to see come in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's take a couple more of uh, the names that you guys are throwing in there. Mason Greenwood is one that a few people have mentioned. And Mason Greenwood is someone we've actually been linked with. That's never going to happen, is it? I would love, let me just put it out there. I think every single Arsenal fan would love Mason Greenwood. Like the guy is an absolute baller. Like, can you imagine a front three of like, of Mason Greenwood up top, Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe and Martin Odegaard? I mean, that's just like dream stuff, isn't it? Especially given like how rapidly he's improving. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's not gonna happen. Like he he's the, he's their next he he is their prime asset. Like he is to them what what Saka is to us. So I don't ever see 
see that happening. I'm going to throw a few names at you and we'll go quick fire. So I just want yes or no's. Mm. Ivan Tony. No, no. Uh, I had another one on my screen and I've just lost it. Typical. Uh, Ollie Watkins. No. Marcus Rashford. Oh, Marcus Rashford. On the proviso that he's not a, really an out and out striker, I'm going to say no. Andy Carroll. Say no to everyone. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yes, That's Andy Carroll. Absolutely. Uh, he used absolutely. to terrorise us, didn't he? He used to terrorise us. Um, Ruben Neves. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're being upgrades on what we have. Yeah. Where's the other one? I just had another good one in midfield, and it's just gone. Uh, Renato Sanchez. There it is. Yes, I think it'd be you worth take him. the punt. I think it'd be worth the punt. Yeah, I think he's uh, shown a lot of talent and he's done really well to, to rule. Sorry, I know it's meant to be one one answer, but um, he's done really well to re rebuild his career after, you know, dropping off massively um, after leaving Bayern Munich. So, yeah, absolutely. I'd take the punt. I think he'd be worth it. Jesse Lingard. Jesse. My bias are coming in, but I don't like Jesse Lingard because of that stupid, stupid celebration he does with a flute <laughs> and that stupid Millie Rock he did at, at the Emirates. So, no. What about Zapata, the Atalanta striker? Zapata, if I'm talking about like profiles of strikers that I've mentioned before, I'm not sure he's quite it for us. Richarlison? No. Wilfred Ndidi? Yes, yes, definitely yes. Love Emil Heskey. <laughs> <laughs> now or prime? <laughs> prime Emil Heskey. The one that scored when England won 5 1 in Germany, that Emil Heskey. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Great stuff. No, lovely way to end it. Um, nice bit of fun there. Uh, don't forget, hit that like button if you haven't done so already. There's now nearly 400 of you watching. We've hit the 125 target. Let's get to 150 ASAP. Smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Michael, how can people follow you and keep up to date with the great work that you do? Yeah, um, at Mike underscore Stavry on Twitter. I've actually got my extended list of uh, players, five players I think that, sh that should be sold. I extended it and um, three players I think we should buy, which is slightly different to what I've said here, coming out um, on Metro next week, I think. So, yeah, follow me and I'll, I'll tweet those out when uh, when they come out and give them a little read. Good stuff. Make sure you do that. Um, we've had this question a couple of times in the shows that we do together. So let's address this. K-Show says, are you guys brothers? Look, just because we're both from Cyprus, we're both a little bit hairy. We both don't really deal with our beards when necessary. Doesn't mean we're brothers, but we might as well be. We're good friends and um, it's great to have Mike involved. There you go. Why not? We'll take it. Well, there's worse things I've been told in my life. Um, <laughs> I get called Alexander Mitrovic a lot. That's a weird one for me. I, I don't see it. Do you? Oh, I don't know. If, if you shaved your head, maybe, maybe, and got a few scars. Hmm. You need to roughen up a little bit, don't I? Yeah. You should see me in the mornings, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Right. We'll leave it there. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. As I mentioned, right at the top of the show, this is our final full-length edition of the podcast before Christmas. So I want to wish you all a merry, merry Christmas. I hope you have a great one. Hope COVID hasn't affected it too much. 
Um, it's already affected mine, which is a bit of a pain, but it is what it is. Hope you enjoy the time with your family, with your friends. Eat lots, drink lots. You know the drill. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not about presence. It's about spending time with the people uh, that mean the most to you. So make sure you do that and everything else. It doesn't really matter. So enjoy it. Thank you for all your support this year. Um, I will be dropping a little short video to thank you guys uh, for your support on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel and podcast uh, very shortly because um, we've hit some incredible milestones this year. And I, I just want to share those with you to show you guys what it is exactly that you are supporting. So um, really, really do appreciate it. Thank you all so much. And uh, we'll be back on Boxing Day at some point late, probably if Arsenal's game at Norwich goes ahead. Uh, so until then, have a great Christmas and we'll catch you all very soon. Goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.